Welcome to Agape Ministries Podcasts, a whole new way of thinking. Episode 145, part two of the talk given by Edwina Gately, entitled Women Who Have Gone Before Us. So it was really hard for me and I remember coming back here to Westminster and I went to see Cardinal Hume. It was a, lo- it was a lovely man. I was very fond of Cardinal Hume. He and I had a good friendship. Huh? And I went to tell him that God had called me to leave and to... I don't know what God... I don't understand God, but whatever. But to go uh, up to America. And I'll never forget what Father Basil said to me. He said to me, Edwina, I order you to stay here in this diocese and help me bring Christ back to this God-forsaken country. I I said, I can't. I said, you know, I really feel called. I I, I have to move on. And Colonel Hume was, as I said, he was a good man. And he said... And I, I told him, I said, Cardinal, I said, Father, my obedience is first to the Spirit of God and my conscience. And then it's to reading scriptures and listening to those who know me. And then my third obedience is to you. But the first is the Holy Spirit and the wider community. I have to do this. I'll never forget, he looked at me and he said to me, Edwina, I think you've done the obedience bit. (laughs) (laughs) And he gave me his blessing. But, you know, it it was hard. But when I studied the Beguines, I thought, I'm a Beguine. It doesn't mean I don't love my church and love, you know, my tradition. It means I love it enough, you know, to dare uh, to stand before it and say, this is what, this is, we must be faithful. We must, we mustn't get stuck. As Julian would say, don't, go, don't get stuck because we're so used to the rules and the rights and who's in charge and who tells you, who tells you what, what to do. In an age when women had no voice and no spiritual or religious authority, the Beguines, many educated and articulate, wrote about their mystical experiences. Not from a rational perspective, but from a sensual, profound, (laughs) personal experience. It was the woman stuff. You know, why not? Like the biblical Song of Songs, their writings were full of metaphors and imagery, expressing in almost romantic form their experiences of divine love. (laughs) Not at all conducive to priestly approval. The Beguines developed a spirituality of mystical marriage. Hmm? God was lover. God was not so much a king, a father, a lord, a judge. God is fundamentally a lover and you are beloved. So it was like they got into this, you know. 
So it's a direct threat, uh, you know, against the, the way we interpreted the divine reality in experience, which is as king, lord, judge, uh, and father. Um, and also remember that historically, it was a time of romanticism. This was the era, you know, of the knights in armour on their horses. This was the era of the castles. And was it Rapunzel who let down her hair? Uh, you know, the troubadours and all oh, the jugglers. Yeah, this was a time of... So uh, the Begins fitted into that with a very strong feminine spirituality. Um, the Eucharist for them was a, a mystical experience. Don't you love it? The Begins did not write about God. They did not write about God. They wrote of their relationship with God. Whoa. So they're not just listening uh, to teachings. They're talking about, I have the, their, their relationship. This is relation. This is very feminine. And this is what the, 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 you know, the gentleman didn't do. Because it was about God, who God is. And God is, what is that? God is the divine presence who alone exists of himself and is infinite in all perfections. Why did God make you? God made you to, to know him, love him, and serve him in this world and to be happy with him forever in the next. Boring. But these women talked about how they felt about God and how they experienced God. Huh? Um, but the church did not trust mystics or mystical l literature. And that's still the case, actually. You might have heard of this gentleman called Cardinal Ratzinger. Yes. <laughs> Cardinal in the Catholic, uh, it's a Catholic cardinal who, who became Pope. All right, you remember that? He was Benedict, Ratzinger was. So he's contemporary, right? So he wrote, in 1979, Cardinal Ratzinger wrote, <laughs> The Christian believer, that's you, is a simple person. I'm quoting. I'm quoting. Is a simple person. Bishops should protect the faith of these little people, you, against the power of intellectuals. Now, it's a pity you didn't read this a long time ago. But, you know, that was the mentality. It was in 1979... And it was in the 11th and 12th and 13th century. Laity are sheep. Laity are little people who are simple little people and peasants who need protecting by people who really know God. <laughs> Even more problematic for the church was the fact that many begin writings, these women began to write because of their authentic experiences, were effectively pastoral texts. All right, presenting the laity with an invitation to an intimate relationship with God and a living Christianity. So these women were let loose on the laity, you know, and, and writing to them and speaking to them about a living relationship with a living God who was in love with them. Every human soul, the Beguines believed, could attain, guess what? Divine union? <laughs> now, we, I, brought, I was brought up to, you know, divine union. That's only for those, ooh. <laughs> but, but they're saying, look, you know, you, you're a farmer. 
you know, you're a homemaker, you can attain divine union. Mm. I mean, this blew the minds of the, the peasants, the laity, who'd never been invited to any sense of being so significant in the eyes of God. The fact that the Beguines placed such an emphasis on personal experience was a distinct threat to the hierarchical and priestly power which traditionally claimed a prerogative over spiritual matters and interpretation. And you know, I mean, I understand this. Huh? I was invited um, three years ago now to, to give a retreat in Phoenix, Arizona. And it was a retreat for women religious. And be great eight days. Can you imagine... Can you imagine us getting together for eight days, residential, in a nice place, women religious leaders? I mean, what a bunch of, of, of strong women, right? So anyway, somebody told the bishop that I was going to lead an eight-day retreat for religious women. So the bishop of Phoenix <coughs> said, well, she's got to be taped. So I, I get this call from the retreat center, uh, from the, the program director saying, look, Edwin, you know, the bishop is on to us. And uh, this had been booked for two years. And, uh, you know, you have to be taped. I said, I'm not going to be taped. I said, you, they can't do that. This is a women's retreat. I mean, can you imagine my saying, okay, ladies, all right, now we're going to start. Hold on. <laughs> click, click. Any questions? You know, I mean, you know, it's not going to happen. You, you can't do that. That's invading. This is integrity. This is about a woman's space here. You can't do this. Can you imagine then the bishop taking these CDs and sit, sitting in his room at night and listening to, to us women? You know, like, what a sneak, you know? So I said, no. So anyway, the program director was in tears because she said, you know, this is, we've got, we're booked and everything. You know, you put on the line. And so then the owner, the, 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 the provincial superior of the community that owned the retreat center, he called me. He was a priest. A good man. The good man. And he says, I'll never forget. He says to me, I can remember, Edwina, Edwina, look at what you are doing. These women, these poor women, <laughs> they've been waiting for this retreat. All this time, this is their annual retreat. They're looking forward to it. I said, they can't take me, Father. He said, look, Edwina, you won't even notice. We have this very small tape recorder, and it will be hidden away. You, I'm not that stupid. I'm, I don't care if it's this big. It's being recorded, and I refused. And the retreat was cancelled. Totally cancelled, I know. And, and that was, when I talk about integrity, I talk about really being faithful, not to the rules and regulations, as much as your real deep consciousness. And you know you're making a sacrifice. You know that there's going to be 35 women who are going to lose out on their retreat. But you can't compromise your integrity. You know, and say, well, you can tape us because we're women. And you want to know what we're going to talk about, you know. And then to trip you up, huh? So, um, <laughs> when women claim their own spiritual authority because of an in, inner sense of integrity, 
they must follow it. In a society which undervalues female perceptions and accords women little authority, mystical or ecstatic experiences enable a woman to transcend the normal boundaries of her existence and to claim direct inspiration from God. Why are we so afraid? This power is often used to good effect, providing a woman with a platform from which to enter and challenge the male world. The medieval mystics Hildegard of Bingen and Catherine of Siena, remember the quote I gave you this morning, no? for example, were able to act effectively in the public realm by claiming divine authority for their words and their actions. It was the conviction that they were in communion with God which gave Marguerite Perrette Begin and Mechthilde of Magdeburg a Begin. Uh, the courage to criticize those in the church who fell short of the mission entrusted to them. So, you know, you, you're really moving on, on, on dangerous ground now, you know. And listen to this from um, uh, Marguerite Perrette Begin. <laughs> the soul at the highest stage of her perfection and nearest the dark night is beyond noticing the rules of the church. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> she's commanded by pure love, which is a higher mistress. She has passed so far beyond the works of virtue that she no longer knows what they are about because she has assimilated them uh, to the point where they are simply part of her. The church cannot control her. Huh? The church being here understood as mainly to do with those who live in fear of the Lord. So there. <laughs> uh, now, it's, interest, it's, it's important to know that while the Beguines did not start out, uh, they did not start out as a revolt against the institutional church. Huh? Their influence grew over and against the established institutional church. They were scandalized by the institution, but they did not reject it. All right? They did not reject it. They did not throw out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah? What they did was they began to preach. They followed their hearts. They began to preach. And their writings, written in the vernacular, which was... Never done. It was always written in Latin. Huh? Their writing spread as a serious departure from the norm of, of Latin. Huh? To have pastoral texts written in Dutch, German, French, English. The Beguines began to awaken people's religious consciousness by also challenging corrupt and unworthy priests who were known as sex abusers by publicly refusing to receive communion from them. So here are the Beguines in church going up and they know this particular father is abusing children and they would refuse communion and then go back. Now the, the laity were watching. Oh, so it was a public critique of sex abuse in the church. This kind of critique 
led to an erosion of clerical power in the Middle Ages. And also, and perhaps more important, a large dent in the clerical pocketbook. For the laity who admired the Beguines and respected what they were doing, much like, as I think, uh, certainly in the United States, the laity respect the religious women and what they are doing. They began to shift their economic support from the institution to the Beguines. Now you've got problems. Now we're talking about money. Now you see what's happening. I don't know how much is happening here in England, but certainly in the United States, where the American religious women, the American religious women leadership has been investigated. You know that, right? By the Vatican, because you know what these naughty religious women are doing? Well, they're making their own decisions. And, and they're, they're not getting stuck on, I mean, you know, abortion and, and contraception. It doesn't mean it's not important. It means that's not your only issue. What, what about poverty? What about unemployment? Huh? Uh, what, about, what about drugs? What about violence? What about prostitution? More and more religious women are beginning to move into arenas of ministry which are not traditional, you know, like prostitution. Uh, and, and homelessness and stuff like that. And, and so what we get there is this situation where, you know, the, the laity are saying, well, that, 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 that's great, you know, that's great. Well, well let's help the Beguines. And what's happening in the United States is that the laity are doing the same with religious communities now. This is 800 years later. It's, it's happening again. If we don't make connections with our religious story... Our, our spiritual history, uh, then there's a whole thing missing. We think this is the first time. It's not the first time. It's like God, again and again, as I said earlier, you know, showing us a new way. And when it doesn't work, God hangs in for a few hundred years and tries again. And God did that at the beginnings, and here, here we are again. And if you make connections, it's like, you, you know, you're encouraged because it's like, yes, come on. We're getting there. We're getting there. Same issues. Same issues. Almost identical issues. So uh, when the church realized that they were losing money because of, of a change in investment and direction, of the, they, that's when they began to say, we have to get rid of these women. <laughs> I remember I, I, was, uh, I was part of a group that founded a little, an organization in the United States called Mary's Pence. You've heard of Peter Spence? Mm-hmm. Have you heard of Mary Spence? No. Well, we started Mary Spence in the United States. And it was because, it's this little nun who, who you know, we, we have a collection every year. I think it's in October for Peter Spence. Every church in Catholic tradition, every church has a collection for Peter Spence. Peter Spence is to build seminaries and maintain seminaries to train Catholic male priests. So this little nun saying, well, what about us? What about women? You know, what about having a lay person go to seminary and study theology? I, it's a, there's nothing for us. What, what about Mary Spence? What about a, not a balanced alternative? So she got a group of us together, including myself, and, and we started an organization, and we set it up as a, a, a charity, you know, not-for-profit, and uh, started advertising, 
um, going around churches and said, could we have a Mary's Pence collection? I said, no, what are you talking about, Mary's Pence? <laughs> but, you know, there were some parishes that were really open and said, oh, oh, okay. And then we got women's groups together. Okay, we're having a collection for Mary's Pence. And, I mean, that was now 20 years ago. And what we did is we, we produced what you call a wooden nickel. It's a coin, a wooden coin. Uh, a nickel is 10 cents, is it? I think it's 10 cents. And we produced, we, we ordered hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of uh, wooden nickels. And when it came to Peter's Pence, um, we're in church, <laughs> and, and, and printed on the back of the wooden nickel is, I am giving to Mary Spence. And we'd put these wooden nickels in the collection basket. Well, you know, <laughs> when the guys were counting the money, they had all these wooden nickels. I mean, I mean it, was, it was humorous, it was funny, but it, got, it was a point, point taken, right? And we still, we still do that in the United States. Mary Spence, if you look on the internet, it's grown. We fund small women's groups, cooperatives in Central America, um, poor women individually. We send women to study theology and spirituality. And it's, it's small grants, but it's, it's all over the uh, United States and Central America. It's a wonderful thing, empowering poor women. It's, yeah. So we don't give to Peter anymore. <laughs> but because of the financial situation, because of, of the, the, the whole idea about the money and the church institution losing money, the tide began to turn against the Begins. They were accused by the institution of, guess what they were accused of? Oh, no, worse than that. They were accused, no, of being lesbians. That's your pro you're gay. That's your problem. I mean, there's nothing worse than being... <laughs> they were accused of being lesbians. See these women? They're not married, you know? Well, they weren't married because there's not enough guys. But they're not married, and they don't, they're not in religious communities. They're all lesbians. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. And so that sowed the seed, huh? of, of uh, disorder, discontent, and the laity, you know, dear, oh dear, you know. But it was an organized uh, campaign against uh, the women. The women, uh, as long as they had lived quiet lives of piety, doing good works, they were fine. Like Mother Teresa. If you're Mother Teresa, you're fine. You're going to, I'm not, I'm, Mother Teresa was wonderful. I mean, I, I've written about her. You know, but she, she did all the good works, but she did not question the system that created poverty. And that's the difference between Mother Teresa and the Begins. The Begins questioned. And the Begins, you know, they, did, they weren't daughters of the church insofar as they just did the works of mercy. They also challenged the laity to be faithful. Hmm? As long as they were doing that work, they were fine. As soon as they began to question the status quo, and claim authority as women, as well as to threaten the church's income, they were not to be tolerated. That was it. The Beguines were accused also, and, and the worst thing, along with lesbianism, was being accused of being a free spirit. Uh, in the middle, that was a real downer in the Middle Ages, a free spirit. You're not supposed to be a free spirit. You belong to, you know, your child of being, quote, ignorant and lacking in clerical education. Their, quote, weakness of intellect. 
would lead them and their followers into error. They were not trained and qualified to preach. So the Council of Vienna, which is one of the Roman Catholic Church's big councils you meet in the Vatican, uh, the Council of, well, you meet in different places, but it's a council. The Council of Vienna in 1311 described the Beguines as heretical. Now you've moved it. And I quote from the Council of Vienna. We have been told, chill a bit, that certain women, <laughs> commonly called the Beguines, afflicted by a kind of madness, discuss the Holy Trinity <laughs> and the Divine Essence and express opinions on matters of faith and sacraments contrary to the Catholic faith, deceiving many simple people. <laughs> Since these women promise no obedience to anyone and do not renounce their property or profess an approved rule, they're certainly not religious. We, that's the bishops, <laughs> we have therefore decided and decreed with the approval of the council that their way of life is to be permanently forbidden and altogether excluded from the Church of God. The council statement was followed by widespread clerical persecution. The Beguines were condemned for writing in the vernacular on, quote, matters too profound for the laity to comprehend. Hostilities grew. The Beguines had their property confiscated, and they were forced to marry whoever came along who was a male or live in communities to wear habits and to have ecclesiastical approval. The Beguines lived in fear now of being condemned as heretics. You know, I, uh, <coughs> I was invited uh, in Kansas, at, you know, Atchison, Kansas in the United States, uh, to give a day of retreat to bro religious brothers and religious sisters, right? And uh, before I went there, I got a call from the organizer of this place, you know, and this is for religious people, right? Oh, she said, you know, Edwina, we've got a few problems. Uh, we, we've got a protest is going to happen uh, when you come to Kansas. I said, well, what, what's, what's the problem? Well, and they've reported to the bishop and, you know, they say you're a heretic. And I mean, it was like, you know, deja vu. So anyway, off, I said, well, I'm going, you know, I, I'll, I'll still come. And so I went, I went to do this day's retreat for wonderful religious women and, and, and some beautiful brothers, you know, um, Christian brothers. And there's these people outside, they've got these posters, you know. <laughs> Heretic, <laughs> abortionist, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I, and two of them got into the conference, you know. I was glad that they made them pay. So there's two of these people. Uh, and actually, this is two women. It's their husbands send the women, right? 
and they're sitting in my conference and, and they're making notes, you know. And when I see that happen, I start telling stories because you can't, you can't write down my stories, you know, because it's too much. I'm, I'm talking like this and there's no way. I'm not doing a theology thing. I'm telling a story, right? So anyway, at lunchtime, a couple of the organizers came up to these two ladies and said, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And one woman says, whenever a heretic comes to town, we have to be here. <laughs> I mean, you know. But anyway, there was this other one while I'm at it. <laughs> I'll never be invited to talk in England again, will I? They all think I'm a heretic. But this was in, uh, also in Kansas, and it was uh, Benedictines. There's a Benedictine college run by sisters in, in, in Kansas. It's a conservative college. Actually, the sisters started it and ran it, but they don't own it now. It's run by a trustee and lay people, etc. Like, you know. But anyway, every year they have a kind of, every two years they have a lecture series. And it's in honor of some founder or benefactor or something. And so they'd asked if I would do that, if I would go to <coughs> this, uh, uh, give a lecture. I said, okay. And this was planned way ahead. I got a call from one of the Benedictine sisters before I went there. And she said, you know, uh, we, we think we should let you know uh, and invite you to withdraw. Uh, because, you know, the, the, the students' union has been meeting and they've gone to the bishop and they've written to all the contemplative orders saying that, you know, the, this woman is coming to town and whatever, a heretic. And, and they started a protest, huh? This is only because I talk about the motherhood of God and the divine feminine, along with the masculine, you know, but people get... Uh, so they started this protest against with the contemplative communities who I love and admire and respect so much. And, and they sent me copies of all these letters they'd got from... And I could tell they were old ladies, you know, signed by Sister Mary of the Holy Trinity. They'd got these ladies to sign their names, even though they never knew me, they never heard of me, they knew nothing about me, to, to build up this protest. So the sister said, look, Edwina, you want to back out? I said, no, I said, I'm not backing out. This is, this is what I, I do. I went to Kansas, right? And they said, well, we've changed the venue. Because we were, we were going to have it, we were going to have it in the, you know, we expect about 50 people, you know, but we, we were expecting over 400 people. <laughs> so we, we've moved it into the auditorium and, and, and we, we have got security. I said, Gee, I mean, look, I'm only little, but there's these security guards all around. And they said, well, we need to tell you that there's a small prayer room next to the auditorium. And the students are, are, are going to be saying the rosary throughout your presentation for your salvation. I said, well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So anyway, you could feel the, the, the nervousness and the tension, right? The room, the auditorium filled up. And here in the front row, there's all the, the young conservative students, right wing, yeah. And, and they're, they're there like, you, know, you can see the hecklers, right? And you, can, you see that, and they've got their notebooks and their tapes and all that kind of thing, right? And then there's the, 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 the sisters, community, the other sisters who are involved in the, the team sitting in, on the stage there, they were, uh, they were nervous. Then you've got the security. You'd think I was a terrorist. You know, I'm stupid. So I was introduced, and there was this pregnant silence. 
in nearly 500 people, right? I decided that I was going to take the bull by the horns and I wasn't going to mess about. And I was introduced and I stood up and got the microphone and I said, I want you to know <laughs> that I have a degree in theology, that I have written 12 books, that I founded a school in Africa for poor African girls, that I founded an international lay mission movement that sent 2,000 missionaries all over the world, that I founded a program in Chicago for women leaving prostitution, and that I have 14 awards and certificates. And I want you to know that all this is irrelevant. <laughs> And the only relevant thing is to be faithful to the gospel of Jesus. And that's why I'm here. I'm here because I have to be. I'm here because I believe in Jesus. I'm here because I'm trying to be a faithful Christian. And I am going to tell you my story. Well, by the time I'd finished, I got a standing ovation. Then you go out in the back. And you know, you say hello to people and sign a few books and you got this, this line of people and you never know who you're going to get, right? <laughs> and it went on and on, thank you, and all this stuff. And it came to the very end of this, this queue, right? And there's this young woman, I guess 20 years of age. She comes right up to me, you know, almost face to face. <laughs> and she says, I want you to know. I want you to know that I am the student who organized all the protests against you. And she says, I want you to. I want you to know that I am so sorry for what I did. I want you to know you are a brave and courageous and faith-filled woman. And I am so sorry. And I looked at her and I said, and I want you to know that you are a brave, courageous and faith-filled woman. And I want you to know that we are sisters. And you know, she was crying. And I was crying. That's, there you go. We're not here to destroy one another. We're not here to say, you know, you lot push off because guess what? We're, we're in charge now. We're not here to do that. We're here to listen. But you've got to listen. You've got to let, let us speak. And that's what happened in, in Kansas. They had to let me. I had to speak. And then that's, that's your flow. That's your coming together in consensus and connection when, when we understand you know, what, it, what is happening. Uh, but anyway, eventually harassed, tortured, and even burnt at the stake, as many Beguines were. The Beguines were co-opted or suppressed by the institution after over 100 years of living a dynamic feminine spirituality and offering to the people of God a new and meaningful, active and contemplative lifestyle. Their challenge to the church of their time and their unique contribution to church history has all but been obliterated from our communal story. And it would appear that this wonderful movement of lay people has gone forever. Or has it? <laughs>
So thank you for taking the time to listen to these episodes. Our prayer is that as you listen and reflect on these teachings, that you'll be encouraged to continue your journey to maximise your potential to have a good and a happy life. So sign in again next week for more teaching on how you can follow the Jesus way to experience your life is filled with meaning, purpose and joy. So God bless and stay safe.